Hey guys, hey ladies, hey friends, hey foes. We just wanted to take a second to remind you that while we're okay swearing when little ears are listening, you might not be, and that's okay. So here's your chance to pause us and wait for nap time, or pop in your earbuds. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Done Playing by the Rules. This is Janelle. And I'm Jenna. Jenna and I set out to start a grief podcast, long story short, and we realized what we needed was actually just a podcast where we talk about the things that you're not supposed to talk about as a mom, as a person, and as a dad, and as a human, and whatever role you have in this adult life. And have had growing up as well, like we've discussed many times, like stuff you weren't supposed to talk about as kids, like... I even thought yeah. about that when I was I was working on our website and I posted a picture of me sticking my tongue out. And my grandma's biggest yes. rule was you never take a picture with you sticking your tongue out. And I was like, if my grandma ever sees this, I'm going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what in the world? Then you better uh, not my... show the ones where I'm flipping people off. So <laughs> <laughs> all my like... pictures growing up are like me being wild. And I can vividly remember my grandma just being like, can you just take a nice picture? Come on. No, no, I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> it makes me feel weird. Um, okay, so today's topic, and we will cover all the gory topics you can imagine on this podcast. And then we're gonna some. ease you and then some. I was thinking about that too. I was like, I wonder what TMI like level is gonna be too much for people. I'll tell you to fast forward if it gets a little. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, I think we've already gotten there, but we'll we'll play those yeah. coming up. Um, so today's topic is pressures of modern parenting. And I always like to think of, I heard a story once. It was like a short story someone had written about what a day used to be like in the life of a kid in the fifties. Yes. And it was like, my mom got on the phone with her girlfriend, smoked cigarettes all day, (laughs) locked me out of the house. And I wasn't supposed to come home till dinner time. And if I did, she'd like shoo me out. I mean, you and I are big fans of locking our kids out of the house, but for Mm -hmm the reason of like making them play in nature. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would love to sit on the phone and smoke cigarettes all day if we're being honest, but I I don't have time for that because I'm too busy over scheduling my life pre COVID. Mm -hmm. So you and I started talking about all the fucking unrealistic expectations for parents in this generation that we don't know why we're doing it, but because past generations did it and we feel like it's what we're supposed to be doing. We just force ourselves to do these things to put on an appearance. Yes. And I think it's not just parents either. It's people mm-hmm. in general. I know yeah. um, I have a therapist who I love and she has told me, I have sought out therapy for years and since a child and for anxiety. And it was not commonly heard of back then. And now she's telling me she sees so many people for anxiety. And it's just, I think it's a lot of social media and it's young people. It's Ugh. every age group, just keeping up with the Joneses, doing one more than the average person. And I think yeah. that 
even if you're not a parent, I think you can relate to this topic because I didn't even think about the social media. I literally have nowhere on my list of social media and how much that influences this entire conversation because we've tried to get off of it (laughs) because we try to stay off of it. But like, I wonder if I did like a correlation because I was on it. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. That comically small teacup is (laughs) (laughs) okay. So we do have a YouTube. If you guys want to check it out, if you want to see us live, um, I am drinking from a tiny, what is this? Espresso cup. Cause I asked my son to bring me a cup of water and I so basically this is feel what like I a giant podcast. She's double fisting I, and I have and- <laughs> pinkies out ladies. Um, Every time I see yeah. your tiny latte or your tiny espresso cup, I'm like, Oh, I hope she doesn't get this. <laughs> okay. So, um, and that's true. I, so prior to like, I feel like there's going to be before COVID and after COVID. But mm-hmm. even I want to walk out of COVID having a mm-hmm. clearer head in regards to where I put my energy. And you know, yeah. I love the analogy of like, I have $100 to spend. So let's say I have 100 energy points to spend. Prior to COVID, I was wasting 97 of my $100 of energy points on bullshit that didn't matter to me and didn't serve me, but it was something that my mom or my grandma or my neighbor or someone was imploring me to do. And Mm -hmm. none of it was, I mean, some of it was important. Like, yeah, my kid needed PT after he broke his leg. Did he need OT? Like, yeah, he probably needed all of those. Did he need them as aggressively as I was going? I don't know. So it's like you and I just discussed what we've learned through our short time as parents, because I mean, Mm -hmm. hopefully there's parents of teenagers and adult children that hear this and are like, oh, girl, wait till you learn how unimportant that, 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 (laughs) that is. I hope there's way more things I can take off the list. But you and I wrote down a bunch of things that we were doing Mm -hmm. that we didn't know why we were doing them and we hated Mm -hmm. and talked about how we can help other moms or parents or guardians start humans Mm-hmm. Start focusing on what actually is important to you versus what you're just doing for no reason. Yes. And the motivation behind your actions, being intentional. Oh, this is going to be a good one. Um, I would like to start with a little story. So <laughs> when I first met, Jan- not when I first met Janelle, the first time she came over to my house, our sons who are now six, I think they were five at the time, basically schemed up this little plan at preschool. Um, They basically came up to us after school and was like, my mom said I can go to your house. My mom said you can come over kind of thing. We looked at each other and I was like, go ahead, come on over. I live far out if you don't mind driving. And she's like, okay, the whole way I'm driving, I call my, I even call my cousin and I'm freaking out because it just happened to be one of those hell mornings. My daughter loves to sleep. And she's now three, but at the time she was, I think like 18 months, she was little, Mm -hmm. maybe not even. And I had woken her up last minute, changed her diaper in the living room while shoving food down her throat, while yelling at my (laughs) five-year-old to get his bag, to get his shoes, to get his jacket. So, and he's feeding himself. So there's food everywhere, a dirty diaper on the floor. And it's, it's a shit show, literally. And my cousin was like... This is actually a great first impression because if she judges you or if she doesn't feel comfortable, then you know, she is not your friend. And she was like, and plus that is not your norm. So think about it. You don't ever have to like live up to these high standards. Like she's going to come in and be like, 
this is her normal. And then when she sees your house all the other time, she's going to be like, oh shit, like (laughs) one off on that one. And so it made me feel so much better, but I did find myself apologizing. And Janelle just kept saying like, no, I love your house. And she was just so kind and made me feel at ease. Even though my son was running around with underwear on his head and encouraged her son to do the same. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it just, the friendship naturally developed and I've never felt the pressure to have my house clean when she comes over because our standard was already pretty low. Um, can't get yeah. worse than a dirty diaper. And it just, it relieved me so much. And I sat there and I was like, why the hell did I stress myself out over this 40 minute drive? And she's a mom. She gets it. She's a mom of two. And at the time COVID wasn't even a thing. So of course we don't have extra hands in the morning. Like we're outnumbered. We have a yeah. 40 minute drive to school. Like of course my house was a shit show. And it was just like, made me think like, why, why did I do this? Why did I stress out over this? Why did I almost say, I'm not going to let my son have a play date because my house is a mess. Really? Is that what it's about? No. Or think about it. If you had said that day, like, "Mm," like, so they, the boys schemed, planned this, caught us off guard separately, told us the story. And if you had been like, mm, no, today's not a good day. And Ezra would have been like, why? We don't have anything to do. And you'd have been like, it's just not a good day. I'd been like, okay, well, I guess like, we're not meant to be like, she's right. obviously got some reason that like, so that's something that you and I have discussed is, and I'm the same way. Like my house has to be clean and it comes mm-hmm. from an anxiety. It doesn't come from, I'm better than anyone. Exactly. My anxiety requires me to keep my house clean. My ther- my therapist <laughs> calls it um, visual chaos. And mm-hmm. so if things are messy, my anxiety is heightened because of the visual yes. chaos. And yes. so my clean house, my friends always give me shit about how clean my house is. And I'm like, you guys, mm-hmm. this isn't like, I don't deserve a trophy. This is right. poorly managed anxiety. Exactly. And I can't have clutter because I can't see the landscape clearly of my day. And so you and I both are very clean. It also, when you told me this story, I was like, I wonder how many, I can tell you there's been a dozen times someone has wanted to have a play date after the gym, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. like pre-COVID, after the, after the gym, after preschool drop-off, after any number of things. And I've said no, because I didn't feel like my yes. house is clean. Yes. And honestly, it was in my mind to say no. And my mind was spinning with excuses, but (laughs) I struggle personally with sickness in general. And this is in January and I was already having a hard time socializing. And I had told myself, like, I need to start saying yes more. So I was like, yes, let's do this. And I am so fucking grateful I did. And we had so much fun. I'm sure I overstayed my welcome as per no. usual. and probably drank all your coffee. Borgstons are not well known of like when it's time to go. Oh, we loved it. And it was perfect. Our hus- My husband came home like shortly thereafter and I'm like, I'm done for the day. Entertained the kids, kept everyone so alive. fun. It was yeah. such a fun play date. And everyone after that has felt way less pressure because we didn't care. Yeah, exactly. And so you and I started talking and we were talking about all the pressures of modern parenting. Mm-hmm. So your house needs to be clean. Everybody needs to be potty trained by 18 months. Everyone needs to know how to wipe <laughs> their own butt by two. All your kids have to be in 1,000 activities. You have to have a healthy, balanced meal cooked for everyone for every dinner. And like, yes. then you add in the pressure of a husband and mm-hmm. in-laws and extended family and God forbid somebody has um, some sort of health problem and now you have like surgeries and like, but you're still spending all this time on like 
Mickey Mouse, my my cousin calls it Mickey Mouse bullshit. It does stuff that doesn't matter. And so you and I kind of whittled it down to some of the top five things that we have quit Mm -hmm. that we were religiously doing Mm -hmm. that served others and didn't serve ourselves, or we weren't sure who they were serving. There's some of the stuff I'm still not like, I'm still like, this wasn't doing anyone any good. So why was I killing myself for this? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, and I don't even I don't even know what your list is. So I'm excited because I feel like you know what my list is and I'm excited yeah. to hear yours. Yeah. So I will piggyback off of that. Um, the clean house was one of my top ones. However, a clean house does bring me joy. Like you said, it yeah. is an anxiety reducer for me. Mm-hmm. If my house is a mess, my husband knows I'm going to lose my mind on him. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> he actually made this skit about me and it's a joke. I can't and he, that's going on the YouTube channel. Yeah. So basically like the house is, he's pretending to be me. The house is spotless. And then there's one sock in the middle of the floor. And he's like, who the fuck left this mess? Why is this house so messy? And like picks it up and storms out of the room because that is me when anxiety is at its worst. It is yes. not healthy, yes. but that's where we're at. I lost my grandfather recently. The first thing after the call, I went and cleaned. Yeah. Um, I reorganized oh toys God. in the playroom. Cleaning and is yes. Yes. And it's just that's something that I do and but it does bring me joy. I like a hobby of mine is organizing and yes. it is something I'm naturally good at as well as I enjoy it. So now I sit there and I say, Am I doing this behavior because it brings me joy or am I doing it to impress other people? because they're coming over. My grandma Ooh, recently came over to visit and smart. guess what I did? Nothing. I didn't do anything before she came over. Oh, I made sure she had clean sheets because I mean, who wants to sleep on dirty sheets? I didn't have the laundry done. The floors weren't vacuumed. Like it was, and it was fine. Guess what? We had I'm a so great time. Of you. Like, <laughs> I didn't know this. Yeah. And my grandmother and I are really close. She's like my mom. I talk to her every day. So she's seen every side of me as well. Yeah. Um, But with that, I also want to add being put together yourself. So either physically dressed up or even when you're a slob, you have to make sure your hair looks somewhat approachable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the slob look is not like it was when we were growing up. Like now it's you purposely look like a slob, but you put in effort. (laughs) And I can't tell you now how many times you've come over. I have no makeup on. My hair is a mess. And you know what? It's fine. I need to shower anyways. Cause we're outside with the boys all the time. So I don't even like yeah. half the time I come over to your house, I don't shower and I haven't, I'm like, it's shower night right. tonight, but it's been three days. I yeah. am notoriously bad at showering, but, but I felt that like pressure said, before. I totally agree with you. There is a pressure to, even when you are messy looking to mm-hmm. still be put together, which is why honestly, why I keep my hair so short. And yeah. you know, this from preschool, I always had short hair because you can always just put on a baseball hat and yes. you look put together in a way that you yep. can't necessarily. And I have hair that doesn't look put together in a ponytail. Mm-hmm. And so even at preschool drop off, you're not showing up. Like my mm-hmm. mom used to show up with her curlers and her like cigarette and her winter Velcro boots and her parka and her robe. Like you're not (laughs) showing up like that anymore. There's even an expectation to when you look messy to be put together. And I get it. It brings some people joy. There are times when I enjoy, you know what? I washed my hair last night. So I fucking did my hair today. Will it always look like this? Oh, thanks. Will it always look like this? No. Give it two days. It'll be back up. But 
it's insane how that pressure is there to look the part and just to look like you have your shit together, even though your mind is going crazy. Guess what? Your house is organized and you look together. So appearances are you have your shit together when really okay, and that's a, a huge part of it. Like the appearance of having your shit together is such a fucking catastrophic mm-hmm. waste of time. We're not celebrities. What is the fascination with putting on this facade of having your shit together. The only thing that makes me more mad is the facade, the facade of having your shit together. Sorry. My mom called me the other day and she was like, I used a word wrong the other day. And I was like, what word? And she was like, facade. And I was like, (laughs) so when I just said facade, it made me think of it. The facade of having your shit together. The only thing that Mm -hmm. pisses me off more is the flip side where moms try to make like jokes out of it. Like I am Mm -hmm. the most self-deprecating person I know, but I don't fake it. Like I know some moms who try to make themselves look sloppier. That's true. Who, and I'm not saying sloppier. I'm saying more like in terms of um, you try to just be like, oh, I'm so, I was so mean to my kids today, but I'm going to work harder tomorrow. Let's stop putting on that show and let's stop putting on the fake perfect show. Let's stop putting on the fake I'm the worst so you feel better show and let's stop like let's mm-hmm. have both ends of the spectrum and let's yes. just like hunker into like who we actually are and be like, Hey, Jenna, like you and I, the first day we met yeah. on the playground, like, Hey, I'm having a fucking hard day. Cause my dad died a month or a month ago. And you were like, same, oh, shit. my, my pa- parents are dead too. <laughs> let's hunker into that yeah. instead of I'm having a hard day. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't sleep well last night. You know, um, let's, Mm -hmm. Be more authentic because when you're more authentic and you have that dirty diaper on your floor, you get to experience a way better friendship and relationship. And you don't waste time with this. I can't with the small talk. Like, I don't want to be like, oh, that -hmm. looks, I like your new floral design in your bathroom. Like, I want to be like, dude, I call, I send you a text message and I'm like, X kid, I won't say his name in case someday he's old and he's like shit on my rug last night. I had to throw it in a trash bag and put it on my porch. Uh, full disclosure, that's a true story. <laughs> Sorry, I and had it's shit the best. covered. And now I have a new rug and he was like, this rug is nice. I hope I don't poop on it. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's the kind of parenting friends I want. And yeah. I feel like if we can start normalizing the truth, we don't have to play this uh-huh. weird like jigsaw puzzle game anymore. I remember when I was in probably between fifth and ninth grade, I know it's kind of a span, but this is the span where I feel like my mom was starting to put on the pressure of appearances for me. And I was more, you know, you're more in charge of like your looks at that point, your mom's not dressing you. So I remember I would come home from school and the first thing she would be like, why didn't you use that brush I put in your backpack? You look a mess. And I was like, well, I don't know. I was just having fun. And then as ninth grade approached, like, why don't you start wearing makeup? I don't know because when I do, it gets in the way when I have fun and then it runs and then I have to worry about it. You know what? Let's just stop fucking brushing our hair and wearing makeup and just concentrate on having fun. I want my daughter to have the messiest hair full of sticks and twigs because she's having fucking fun and she doesn't care what she looks like. I just want her to be free and happy and confident in her body. And I was completely confident, but then I'm starting to think like, maybe I should brush my hair. Maybe I should put on a little makeup. And you know, it's, it's ridiculous that we, but that's when it starts. And I think that's important to point out. Like you said, I know fifth, 
to ninth grade is a really big span. It's not if you think yeah. about the trauma and emotional turmoil females go through from fifth to ninth grade. And I'm right. not saying men don't. I think there's a lot of men that do too. That's that prepubescent. Your brain doesn't yes. fucking work. You're getting hair in places. You're getting boys are noticing dude, you. Yeah, boys mm-hmm. are noticing you. Dudes are getting boners. You're getting like yeah. little boobs and like all of it is awful. It's and then so you awful. also have somebody telling you like, hey, you could do this to improve this yep. or this to improve this. Oh, and throw in there that you'll probably start your period in that time. Oh, and that's a so whole other ball game on so good. can they tell? Can they see? Can they? Oh, Remember, you just always game. thought everyone, oh, everyone knew you had your period. And you like, were fucking paranoid about leaking out and you wear a sweatshirt around your waist. And, and you had probably like one thimble full of blood per cycle. Right? And you're exactly. convinced you're going to have like a carry situation. Like yes. if, if you are a girl that is in fifth to ninth grade, no one knows you have your period when you do. So just like. And I just want to hug you. Until and you I want to hug you. It gets better. Braces are it the does. worst, but it gets yeah. better and you'll be way prettier. Trust me. And yes. if girls are being mean to you, they're going to be huge losers and you're going to be awesome. The end. And, and it's because they're PSA. jealous that you're awesome. So jealous. Oh, we're going to do an episode on bullies oh, yeah. and jealous and where the bullies are now. Woo! Okay. Amen. Okay. So I'll keep going with my list and I want to take that. Love your list. Inward. So here's our outside, right? Our mm-hmm. clean house put together. Now the other one is pretending like you're happy and everything's okay. Uh, because guess what? It's not. I and some days it is. Some days, you know what? If you're having a great day and your uh, hair looks great and your yeah. kids just said please and thank you and held doors for each other and gave each other uh, a hug, be happy. Yeah. But those days where you're not, do not pretend. Because yes. I found myself. I went through a depression when I was well, like 30 some weeks pregnant. It was dark. It was bad. So I just stopped seeing everyone because I could not put on that fake smile. I just physically yeah. could not. One of my friends, my good friend, she was like, just come over today, come over. And I was trying to get a hold of the midwife to get on medication and figure out pregnancy and everything. And I was in such a dark place. I was like, I can't come over because I can't interact. And she was like, come sit on my couch. And guess what? I sat on her couch. I don't remember anything from that day. I was in such a brain fog. And of course I apologized after. And she's like, why are you apologizing? Like we hung out. We're cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt like I was just like a lump of a human. Yeah. But to her, it was a great, great play date. My, our kids played, I guess. I don't know. I think she fed my kids. <laughs> Things were fine. I don't know. Right. And she's still one of my closest and dearest friends. And I finally was like, you know what? I don't have to pretend like I'm okay. And if I do, then I don't need to be around those people. And I also think in the same regard, don't pretend that your marriage is always fucking fine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because that shit is so over. Like we're Mm -hmm. not coming out of COVID, all of us pretending that being married is hunky-dory, easy peasy. Yes. Because I just, I can't with it anymore. Mm -hmm. Like- my marriage is as good as it can be, but you know my marriage and I know your marriage and we know mm-hmm. that each other's marriage just like sometimes it just fucking kamikazes down into yeah. the ground. And that mm-hmm. was one of the best things you ever said to me and why, like the first real thing I remember of our friendship and why I knew we were going to be friends. When I told you that day, like I'm just in a really bad place with my grief. And I was like, my husband and I are fighting yes. like fucking crazy. And you were like, Oh, that's normal when you're going through grief. And I was like, wait, 
your husband and you fight too. And you were the first fucking person that ever said that you and your husband, I mean, granted ours was because of grief, but because of that gift you gave me that day, I can say to other people now, like, yeah, marriage is fucking hard. How do you do it? I want to be with the people that can say, my kids are fucked up. I'm fucked up. My marriage is fucked up. My stepmom is fucked Mm -hmm. up. My mother-in-law's fucked up. Like, tell me what is pulling you down so we can figure out how to like figure it out together. But also don't be that person that, oh my gosh, today, like if you're having a good day, have a great fucking day and be proud of yourself. Amen. But also I want to say that growing up, my parents did not argue that I heard. They were always happy, but guess what? They got divorced. So to me, that crashed my world because in my world, it's like, I knew they weren't perfect. I knew there were issues, especially as I got older, but I had never seen adults in a loving relationship fight or argue. So I had no example of that. It took my husband and I forever to figure out how to healthily fight. And that is a true thing. Like, so we openly disagree in front of our kids. Yep. And is it always perfect? Like, oh, honey, you didn't put up the dishes. No, but we show our kids how to have those arguments, those disagreements, as well as how to resolve them, as well as it's okay to walk away when you can't handle it and come back when you're ready to talk about it. And I've noticed my kids are able to do that with me as well. There's been times during I homeschooled my oldest where he's like, I need a minute. And I think that is the best thing. And my gift to give him. Yes. And I'm just like, I never had that. I remember the first time I was on a mission trip for church and there were two moms that got into it and start screaming at each other and they're nasty fighting. I start How old bawling. Were you? Like seventh grade, sixth grade. <laughs> I start bawling and the other mom turns to me and she's like, what's wrong with you? So then of course I start crying more. I'm a very sensitive yeah. person. Yeah. And the other mom then pulled me aside and she was like, you've never seen adults argue, have you? And I was like, no. Like, I didn't even know why I was crying. I, it was just so uncomfortable to me. Yeah. And these were people that were supposed to be watching me and protecting me. And here they are dishing it out. And I'm like, are they going to like murder each other? Like, am I going to get left in Mexico? Well, I just want to see my mom again. Like, <laughs> And, you know, I had never seen adults fight and minus like TV. And so it was such an eye-opening thing. And I was like, I don't want that for my children. So if you're not okay, it's okay. And I find that I had never heard you say that before. And I've never heard anyone say that they'd never seen adults fight. Like my parents also divorced, fought like fucking crazy in front of us, but never, ever, ever. And I agree with you in terms of that's something that I've actually tried to emulate in my marriage is Mm -hmm. we used to be like, let's talk about this. If things get like, heated, then we're like, we need to put a pin in this and talk about it later. But Mm -hmm. if things are like on the level, and even if we get in a fight, we still have it in front of our kids. And then at the end say, Mm -hmm. it's okay for mommies and daddies to fight. We still love each other. It's okay for me and you to fight to my sons. It's okay for me and you to fight. We still love each other. We say sorry at the end of the day and we figure it out and we'll always be a family. My parents Mm -hmm. never said that to us. My parents would fucking fight. Mm -hmm. One of them would go to like somewhere else for the night. 
And then they would just be like bitter to each other for three or four days. And we'd all tiptoe around. And then by day five ish, Mm -hmm. they would just be kind of coexisting again. And we never were privy to any of the like workings of it. It was just like, oh shit, stuff's getting heated. We would usually like go hide in one of our bedrooms. Oh my gosh, how unsettling as a child. And no one ever explained it to us. So I have also made it a point to always Mm -hmm. say like, mom and dads are going to fight. You and me fight to my kids. And Mm -hmm. it's okay because at the end of the day, we're all going to love each other and smooch each other. And tomorrow everything will be fine. Yes. So that's a great point. So like, it's okay to fight in front of your kids, but give them that reassurance, especially if you have an anxious child or a very observant child. Yes. Even if you don't think they're watching, there probably are. <sighs> and everything. hug each other or yeah. go hug your children together or everybody have a dance party or cuddle up and read a book as a family. Just do something to show them this is resolved. It's done. We're back together. Okay. And I think that having those arguments in front of kids is so important. My son actually told my mother-in-law, my mommy and daddy fight in front of me. And that's all he said. And she came to us and I was like, well, we do. We dis- we don't fight. Mm-hmm. We disagree and we have conversations. <laughs> but, you know, and I even admitted, I was like, we have been having a hard time. This was during COVID. Um, yeah. And my husband is home all the time. I'm home all the time. The kids are home all the time. Everyone's fucking home all the time. Right? <laughs> There's a little more like, like There's he needs a lot it quiet. Of friction. I need it quiet. Everyone needs it quiet. But then we have a three-year-old running around and we have a puppy mm-hmm. and- um, kids that perform slash the one upper, my kids, especially, I feel this pressure now that I homeschool. I don't know about you. So That's those of you that funny. don't know, yeah. we both had our kids in, um, preschool and we had enrolled them in a local private school because it was super low classes. Our boys both needed that little extra maturity still. So we enrolled them and in they, a private kindergarten together. Yes. And they loved each other and we thought it would be great for them. So um, they can both be a little anxious. My son has a really hard time paying attention. He needs those lower class sizes. Mm -hmm. And then COVID happened and the, as I'm sure a lot of you know, the private schools exploded. So we decided we were going to homeschool. I was a teacher before. So this thrilled me because I was like, oh, this is going to be so easy. I I taught 25 kids in a classroom. I could teach (laughs) one. Well, I feel the pressure of my kid needing to perform more than ever. I would test 25 kindergartners, record their scores, send it to their parents, be on my merry way. Now, when my kid gets something wrong that I know I taught him, it is like a personal blow. And I feel that pressure of like, oh, what level are you on? Oh, what did it? And I'm just like, well, my kid's still on the count to 20. And sometimes we still forget 13, but... Why do you think you feel that pressure? Because I'm a fucking perfectionist. And but like, it's you how were I a teacher, like, so you know you're yeah. doing it correctly. Like, I wasn't a yes. teacher, so I have no fucking clue if I'm doing it correctly. And I don't, maybe I'm just not really good drugs right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because well, I and, wasn't a teacher. That could be it. Yeah. And like, I, don't I don't know, know about you, standards. but like, people, I feel like, comment on your kids how cute they are yeah. and how smart they are. And I have gotten all the time how smart my son is. So I feel the pressure that he does. He needs to be smart. Why? No idea. This kid is brilliant in his own mind. He has a very unique mind. He is going to be something amazing one day. But then 
when I see him performing low on certain things, it strikes a nerve with me. And it's that perfectionist and that, you know, your kid is so smart. Well, now he's like an average kindergartner. And I've had to tell myself, you know what? My kid has finally learned to sit in a seat and focus. Yeah. My kid has learned to count to a hundred when he can only count to 20. Mm -hmm. My kid has learned how to express himself in ways he never was able to. And that is beautiful. That's going to be so much more serving in his life than whether or not he can jump count or whatever that shit is called. (laughs) Yeah. And as a teacher, I know, so I struggled with test anxiety. I would always perform low on tests. Even though I was top 10% of my graduating class, my test scores were awful. I didn't even take the SAT because I knew I could not handle it. Somehow I wrote my college essays about how I was awful. How did you get into college? Exactly. I wrote my whole (laughs) essay about how I was awful at test taking. So I took the ACT, but I justified it with my essay and I got into the college I wanted to go to. But I think that it bothers me because I know that feeling of not being able to perform. Yeah. And then I see it in my son and I'm just like, I don't want that for him because I don't want him to have that anxiety. Well, guess what? He already does. He can't, (laughs) he really struggles with focusing. So there's a double whammy. Yeah. And so it just strikes a nerve with me. And so, you know what, if we have to homeschool our whole lives, guess what? We will. Sorry, grandma. My grandma wasn't thrilled that I told her that. <laughs> I know. I have a girlfriend that was like, oh, you know, cause we're moving to Chicago and she was like, oh, well, you'll be settled before the school year and you can get signed up for spring activities. And I was like, mm-hmm. we're, we're safe. Like, I don't, I'm not ready to tell every, like we're staying yeah. home again next year too, because he is so happy and thriving and I don't mm-hmm. know where we're going to be. You know, it's just, and that's interesting because I had the, you and I have so many similarities, but like mm-hmm. I perform very well on tests and perform, mm-hmm. you were top 10% of your class. I was embarrassed when I had to submit my high school transcript to be a homeschool teacher because my GPA yeah. was like 2.3 or something. And I was like, yeah, they're for sure just going to write back. Like you can't teach children <laughs> because you're barely literate yourself, Yeah, which they can't do. If anybody wants to homeschool, you could just tell them you're homeschooling, even if you yes. barely graduated. But I performed, the only reason I got denied to all my colleges, but then I took the ACT and I performed well enough that I got into like two and I picked the one I wanted. So like I have the opposite, but I relate to that in terms of, and this is one of my things is I was very athletic growing up. I was somewhat athletic, but athletics were always very drilled into um, my extended family Mm -hmm. and I do not have an athletic child and you have a naturally athletic child in the things he chooses to be athletic. And you and I both are, we're Mm -hmm. not sports families. I thought that the best way to serve my child was to give him a chance in every single sport. Yes. And he is not that kid, but I still had it ingrained in my mind from my parents that you give them a chance in every sport and then they pick their Mm -hmm. favorite and they stick to it and they work towards it even if they're not good at it. I I don't have that kid. And when I started stripping away the activities, I realized I have a kid that's going to be into like drama and theater and building stuff and STEM activities. Yeah. And I love it. It's just something I'm not used to because that was not my, like, I like social things. He is much, he's a social kid, but he is not going to be an athlete. 
then yeah. that was a hard thing, I think, for me and for my husband to swallow, even though we're not sports people at all. Mm-hmm. We just assumed that was a part of every boy kid. Exactly. He's a, a boy, so he should be in XYZ. But what's his sport? Yeah. Yep. And, and that goes with go the one-upper. I mean, go to a park, go to mm-hmm. a game. Yes. And it's, oh, my son does this. My son does this. Yep. Well, you know what? As parents, we need to start saying, my kid is struggling with XYZ. Yeah. I notice your son is excelling at that. How do you do it? I asked Janelle, my son, I realized can't even count to 15 and he's five and her son could count over to a hundred because I made her figure out how high he could count one night. Um, and he did it from his bedroom yelling downstairs. (laughs) And (laughs) then I asked her, how do I do this? And now we're into the hundreds, like admit that your kid is struggling in certain areas and ask for help, lean on other people. Her son is not the most outgoing when it comes to physical activities. And my kid is. And guess what? When we expose the two and put those mm-hmm. two personalities together, her son is climbing trees with mine, Yeah, which he never would have done. And it's like, yeah, yes, I- do not feel the need to one up each other. If your kid is struggling, if your kid is still not pooping on the potty and they're four, it's okay. That's why they make pull-ups size seven. Like oh, it's fine, but I'm going to go put a pull-up for help. after this. <laughs> Do you think I can fit in a seven if I just like, Oh, I really definitely fly? do. I definitely I'm do. I'm sick of getting up to pee in the night. I've had the same thing with you where I've said like, how do you approach this? And you're like, try this, this, and this. But I think yep. if we as adults also can start asking other adults, like, hey, how do you deal with this? Like, hey, friend mm-hmm. that has experienced early loss in their parents, how do you fucking deal with this? Like, I can just mm-hmm. say that to you. Like, what if we could all just go out to each other and say, God damn it, I can't get my fucking this, this, and this under control. Like, how do you do it? Yeah. God forbid we just ask other people that are excelling in things how they fucking do it. And stop trying to one-up each other. Uh, The worst is when they one-up each other and you know it's not true. Like, oh, my uh, kid can read from the dictionary. Really? Because your kid can't even say his G's. So how's he getting that whole part of the alphabet? Tell me more. Tell me more. It's going to switch roles on you. And go to one that I know you can relate to so we can tie into yours. Holidays and extended families. I will briefly touch on this one. My mom was a go-getter for holidays. Everything was to the top and over. (laughs) She actually told me one year she got, um, I don't know what it's like where your jaw locks up and because she was so stressed (laughs) and she realized that was not healthy and not okay. And she took a step back, but she still went above and beyond one year. It was just my husband, my son and I over at my mom's house and we walk in and she has an apron on all this stuff, cooking the presents all out, the music playing because it brought her joy. I, when my mom was still around, when she was still living, she would basically do all that for me. So I didn't ever need to do it. I would host Thanksgiving and I always, it was always a joke that I walked around and pretended to be busy. And there was one year where I looked at my husband and I was like, guess what? I haven't cooked a fucking thing. And I hadn't touched a single dish, but it looked like I was really busy. Oh my God. It was all on my mom and my husband and even my son's first birthday. Then my mom passed and it was time for me to plan. I would put it off and put it off and then stress out because I couldn't get certain things done or certain people couldn't come because I had put it off so long. And I'm like, Am I putting this off because of my grief? No, I was putting it off because it didn't bring me joy. So guess what? I've stopped. My daughter turned three this year. She wanted the house decorated in rainbows. So I decorated the house in rainbows. We ate her favorite food. That is it. It was a beautiful day. She even told us multiple times, this is the best day. My son had a COVID birthday. He loves the beach. We took my in-laws and my grandma, who's in her mid-80s, 
to the beach. It was a little more expensive than I'd usually spend, but it was also our family vacation and Mm -hmm. it was beautiful. We made a homemade cake. Did we have a party? No. The year before, all he wanted was a bounce house. So guess what? I did bounce house and popcorn and juice boxes and a few other like little snacky foods. Did I spend a ton? No. Did I spend a ton of energy? No. Everything was prepackaged. It was just set out. If it doesn't bring you joy, don't do it. If holidays are hard because it's stressful, you have a grief, you have a parent you are struggling with, anything, you don't have a home to go to, then just do what brings you joy. If that is sitting on the couch and watching movies all day, do it. And I know you can very much relate to I was to that just, I, no, I was completely relating to you and thinking of, so the first year we lost my dad, um, that Christmas was like the darkest of dark mm-hmm. time. Was it even a Christmas? Who knows? Who was there? <laughs> but you know what I did? I decided that I needed to buy literally everyone presents. We were living in Virginia. My entire extended family was in Minnesota. And not only did I need to buy everyone presents, but I needed to like have them shipped to me, then wrap them, then send Mm -hmm. them out. Oh my God. I bought stuff for every one of my kids' teachers, like coordinating things. Like Mm -hmm. I did, I had special made, like I did one so over the top. And it was miserable because I, like, by the time Christmas happened, I was in such a depression of, like, Mm -hmm. the dad loss plus, like, all the energy I expended for no fucking reason plus, like, all the money. Like, let's cut the shit on the gifts. Like, this year for Christmas, me and my closest couple cousins, and we all, like, call our kids cousins, we all agreed we weren't doing presents for all the kids and we were just going to do a Zoom call. Oh, I love that. This is COVID. People have a lot of job instability. Let's take the pressure off of people. I like don't buy my kids birthday presents. Like don't please Mm -hmm. do what is comfortable for you and feel comfortable saying like, hey, we're kind of like not in the mood to do. Like I said, we're living in an apartment this year while we build our dream house, which we, as many will know, (laughs) we aren't building our dream house and we're moving to Chicago now. But I was like, we live in an apartment. We can't have any toys. I'm sorry. Say what you need and say, you know, what's not going to bring me joy. A bunch of plastic shit all over Mm -hmm. my house. I assure you. And I usually donate half the stuff my kids get anyways, because they get so much stuff from extended family. Like, so that's just someone that I love spending their hard earned money on something Mm -hmm. I'm donating. So let's be authentic and say what we need. And what will bring us joy. And you and I had talked about birthday parties and party planning Mm -hmm. brings me zero joy. So I just Just don't fucking do it anymore. No. Like the night before Mikey's, our kids both had a birthday in the last like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And your daughter turned three and my son turned four. I like blew up a balloon with my mouth. That was a three. or four and put it up on the, we hung it from a ceiling vent in my apartment (laughs) and they ripped it down and beat it, the shit out of it. And it was gone in an hour. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to wrap all these presents. So I just put the Amazon boxes cut open. And I'm sure he loved it. Yeah, He loved it and he doesn't care. And so if it brings you joy to have perfectly wrapped presents, like I love a good, like clean, crisp taped line on a present. Like I do enjoy that. But if it doesn't bring you joy, don't keep doing it. And exactly, like you and I talk about the seasons. One season, you might be in the mood to just fucking Clark Griswold that Christmas. Mm -hmm. But the next year your dad dies and you're not in the fucking mood to do anything. So why are we faking it? Or Or the reality that your dad died and now you're dealing with the feelings two years later is perfectly acceptable too. There is no timeline on grief. I completely agree. My sister and 
I, she can tell me she doesn't want me to say this, but I'm saying it. Um, she is having delayed grief right now mm-hmm. because she was so immersed in the care of my dad at the time that now we're 18 months out mm-hmm. and she is having a lot of grief issues now where mm-hmm. mine was really, really dirty and gritty for the first six months, but I was in Virginia. So I was removed from it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so I yeah. think I processed it as it was happening. Mm -hmm. where she did it because she was so involved in his day-to-day care and she was there the day it happened. So Mm -hmm. she, so let's not put timelines on shit. Let's not put timelines on how long it takes someone to get over a divorce. Let's not put timelines on how long it takes someone to get over a job loss. Let's not put timelines on how long it takes someone to get over um, a sick child. Like Mm -hmm. my son had a medical emergency when he was two weeks old. And I still can't talk about it at the doctor's office without crying. Let people have their fucking time and be authentic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Amen. (sighs) (sighs) I need to take a minute and have a sip out of your small latte cup. It's all gone. It's all gone. (laughs) I knew it would be. Okay. So like we said, oh, here's another thing that I was doing that wasn't bringing me joy. Uh, Was bringing me joy and then ended up not bringing me joy and I couldn't stop doing it. So... (laughs) I don't know if you were aware of this, but I had always wanted to be the mom. My dad was super involved in all my school stuff. And my mom was until a certain age. My mom suffered sort of like a mental health crisis when I was maybe 11 or 12 and kind of was never the same again. But before that, she was your completely typical mom. So my Mm -hmm. parents were always super duper duper involved in our school. Like they chaperoned every field trip. They were at everything. They were hall monitors and lunch monitors and visitors and So when my kids started to go into school, I was like, well, I'm going to be involved in everything. Mm -hmm. And when we moved here, I had never moved away from my family before. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to sign up for everything so that we make a ton of friends and have like kind of a family, which ended up being quite a blessing when my dad did pass and everything was a nightmare. But when I couldn't come out of the grief after losing my dad, I was involved in so many groups and so many, I mean, I was involved in every yes. like, PTA. I was. Yes. Rude. I remember that. I actually oh like, God. think I asked you, you asked me to do something once. Yeah, I was like, like I get have coffee a- and you had like I- oik or I don't know. I something think you like- asked me like four times to yeah. do something. <laughs> and I literally had something every time. And I remember saying to my husband, like, she's going to stop asking me soon, <laughs> but they're all true. And yeah. I could never do anything because I was involved in every committee, every um, parenting group. I mm-hmm. was super involved in like my gym. I was super involved in You played tennis? Just- I don't know. I remember oh, that. Oh my God, I had <laughs> tennis lessons. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I'm so bad at tennis. I don't know why I kept going. It was like I couldn't get it. And so I wanted it more and more and couldn't quit going. It's because you looked cute in the outfit. Just I hated those skirts, but I liked the people I played with because they were like legit people. Like they'd swear and be like, fuck this. My kid's being such an asshole. And I was like, yep, okay. You're my Um, people. I like you. So when my dad died, I couldn't keep up anymore. Like I was drowning and this was months after he had died. And I remember I typed because I was co-chairing or vice president of some group and I had to quit. And it was Mm -hmm. a really precarious time to quit. And it meant like the group might not be able to keep going or something. And I wrote the email and kept it, even though I was really good friends with the girl I had to send the email to. 
And Mm -hmm. she knew what was going on and she knew what a mess I was. I didn't send it for a fucking week. And I read it to my husband every day. Of course. And he was like, I need you to start quitting things because Mm -hmm. your mental health is more important right now. And you cannot stay involved in all of these committees and subcommittees Mm -hmm. and PTAs and this and that. And I was completely putting my family on the back burner and my emotional health on the back burner because of all these commitments Mm -hmm. that weren't really real life commitments, but they felt like they were really real to me. And I don't know if that was just like a part of the grief where you can't differentiate between like reality and fiction, but I couldn't quit this shit. And I kept doing it for months after I was Mm -hmm. like able to. Yes. And I would just cry like, oh, I have a meeting that go like we had a couple meetings a month that would be like all day or like mm-hmm. I and I couldn't do it. And so I finally sent her the thing. And I remember shaking, sending her Aww. the like resignation email. And she was like, I completely get it. Like, yeah. oh, my fucking God, why didn't you? It probably this? didn't even matter to her. Like, no offense to you. Like, she was just like, no. OK. Like but next, I mean, she was like, on. no, it's a big role that I won't, I'll have trouble filling. But right. like, again, she was like, in the grand scheme of things, yeah. please take care of yourself. This is not the end of the world. The end yeah. of the world is if you can take care of your kids. Yeah. But I couldn't see the forest through the trees at that time. And everything was no. so weird and blurry. So that's another thing that I think that we should call to action. If you see your friend, mm-hmm. I think if you and I had been better friends at that time, you would have been like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah, you're a like, mess. come cry with me at Starbucks. Yeah. Come or talk about everything yeah, else. Like, besides you're not our going parents. to this lame meeting today. Like, yeah. you need to have friends. And I think we should all try to be the friend that can say mm-hmm. to the other friend, like, you're not putting your health and well being first, you're not mm-hmm. putting your mental clarity first. Can mm-hmm. you take a second and see what you can get rid of? And that my yeah. husband had to say to me, what can you take off your plate? Because right. you're not mentally healthy right now. And mm-hmm. we need you to really focus on yourself so you can come yeah. out of this okay. And when we talk about grief, I want everyone out there to know like we are an exception because we lost parents young. I lost both my parents. Janelle lost her father and we were way too young. Um, I was in my 20s and 30s. You were in your 30s right? Yeah. Early thirties. Early and grief is not just about losing a person or a parent. It can be not somebody passing away, but the loss of that relationship with a person, whether it's mm-hmm. they moved or you had a falling out as well as COVID itself has a whole layer of grief because we all lost so much. So when we talk about grief, I want everyone to know like any of this is applicable mm-hmm. to anything in your life where you feel that loss and that sadness. Because like, as Janelle is talking about all this stuff, I'm like, I feel that just because of COVID and I need to say no. And I've had to say no to friends to where it broke my heart because I wasn't comfortable doing things. And I have taken almost everything off my plate. And I will tell you the friendships that have stuck through that are beautiful. One of my really good friends, we basically have a social media friendship and we (laughs) used to see each other all the time, but that's what works for us right now. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you everything about this girl because she is just so open with me. And it's like, that's what we need right now. Because guess what? I am grieving the loss of that security of my health. And yeah. it's it's okay. Like it does not have to physically be you lost a person. Mm-hmm. And I think it can also be grieving this year. Your husband probably would love to get out of the house once in a while. <laughs> and my yes. husband wants to be able to go to dinner and bars and live his life. And my husband wants to be able to go for a haircut and has to like 
follow my rules of hair. Like there's a lot that is, or my, I haven't met my nephew who is about Mm -hmm. to turn nine months old. One of my best friends is pregnant and I don't know when I'll meet that baby. And I, we have all three of us, me and my two best friends from Minnesota have always gone to the hospital the day of the birth Mm -hmm. for each. And there are seven babies and this will be the eighth. And Mm -hmm. will I see that baby for six months after it's born? Probably not. Like we don't know. And that's a loss. Yeah. I've never sniffed the head of my nephew and he is nine months old. Oh, the new baby is probably not even there anymore. Oh, it's so long gone. Oh, that milk baby breath. Oh, oh, all gone. (laughs) And I will never get that. And there's, but I mean, there's people that have lost their jobs. There's people that have lost their homes. I mean, there's a lot to grieve right now. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what someone is grieving. I have friends mm-hmm. that I thought had the perfect life. Mm-hmm. And my husband then goes out to pre-COVID would go out to like guys night or drinks with them. And I'm like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, they've been through some shit. And I didn't yeah. know. I thought they just had a, per- they have a perfect marriage. They have a perfect house. They're Mm -hmm. happy. Everything they post is happy. Everybody's in love. They're all Mm -hmm. color coordinated. And then I'm like, oh, we have all had a miscarriage. We have all like people Mm -hmm. are grieving things you don't know. So let's just tread a little bit more gently, Mm -hmm. regardless of if their grief is a parent, a child, a job, a friendship, uh, or something you you don't even know about. Like (laughs) that's none of your goddamn business. Right. Back up, Bobby. Yeah. So my thousand clubs. And I think I already told us that mm-hmm. the things that I've taken off my plate, my 2000 activities, I had my kids in every sport. You I did. had them <laughs> every sport and he wasn't even good at sports. I had Mikey in yeah. three different things and he was two when COVID started, probably mm-hmm. one and a half. I don't know. Zach was in everything. And I, this isn't to say no kids should be in anything. I have a friend whose son is super good at all sports and he should be able to pick his sports and play them. Zach really enjoyed Taekwondo and that should have been the only thing we focused on. And instead I was like, does he love it? Yes. Loved it. It it was good for his mental um, discipline. It was really good in that area. And it was good for his muscle building in from previous injuries and it was good like camaraderie and uh, we would leave Taekwondo to get to baseball, to get to basketball, Mm. to get to all these things that he wasn't into and wasn't good at and just wanted to hang out with friends at. And so I pushed him into 1000 activities for development, I said, but I think it was actually me like scratching an itch in my parental brain that was saying like, your kid needs to try it. And I don't know. I don't think it's like this. I'm from Minnesota and I don't remember it being so aggressive there, Mm -hmm. but in the South, which Richmond is considered the South, for those mm-hmm. of you that don't know, because I didn't know until I came here, multi-sport children mm-hmm. is a big thing. Yes. And I'm from Texas, and it was th- that way. In Texas, it was very Yeah, and you've way. told me Texas is like kind yeah. of like Richmond even more so. Yeah. Where Minnesota is like you have summer sports and you have winter sports because you have two very distinct seasons, and they don't really mm-hmm. overlap, and you don't have all this like bullshit where you're doing six sports at a time. And I had my kids in so much stuff. And then I had speech and PT and OT. And yes, we needed some of these things, but I had Zach going to private and public school speech because Mm -hmm. I just wanted him to have every advantage, not realizing that I was, some days we would leave the house at 8 a.m. and get home at 8 p.m. Mm. And that is so taxing on little bodies and brains. And yours. Like you had to be exhausted. 
Well, think about how much I pee too, Jenna. Like, right? I had to like pee everywhere all day. Like, mm-hmm. it just was a night. It was a nightmare, and I have to pack yeah. food for like the whole day. And like, we were killing ourselves. And I said it was in the name of making. Like, I used to be like, we're in private speech and public speech and mm-hmm. OT and PT and did it and did it. And yeah. what the fuck mm-hmm. was it all for? Like pulling Zach out of all that stuff. And I have no medical credentials, but like Mm -hmm. one upping things for the sake of like being the busiest person is we're leaving that in 2020. Well, and I think we also need to leave behind the way we talk to other parents and other people because I can't tell you how many times. So I helped take care of my mom when she was really sick. So my son was in no activities. He he was about to start speech. I don't know. It was all a blur. And the first question, so many parents, so what activities is your son involved in. Well, he comes with me to take care of my mother and he comes to me with me to pick her up from chemo appointments. And then we go inside and we make her food and we take care of her dogs. And then we come home. Those are his activities. Yeah. Like, do you know how awkward that is? And it does not matter. Your kid is not the activity. Right. Let's that talk about is, the qualities yeah. of our kids instead of what they do. Because that oh does God, not matter. Oh my God, I love like, that. At all. Your kid is not the activity. Yeah. Let's talk about the qualities of our kids. Yes. Because that is what makes up our kids. I agree. My kid did, he wanted to try soccer. So he did soccer. And my <laughs> my husband, God bless him, he uh, coached soccer and he is. <laughs> He is not a fan of other people's kids unless he really, really likes them. So in other words, he likes two families' kids <laughs> besides our own. Uh, I mean, soccer. what husbands are like really jazzed to hang out with other right? people's kids? Like, do you even like other people's yeah. kids that much? Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> And he volunteered as an assistant coach, but no one signed up. So he was head coach, assistant coach, mm-hmm. all of it. Yep. And there were so many kids that were so good at soccer and aggressive. And you could tell they had a background. And there is my son, mom, look at this yellow leaf. And now I found a red one. Do you see that girl's glasses? I like her glasses. Like while he's playing goalie and oh he's like God, him and watching the goal, the right? He's watching the ball go into the goal, looking at the kid on the other team going, great job. And my husband yes. is getting so frustrated because he feels the need to perform and our kid is yeah. not performing yes. and it's the one activity our kid is in. And I was so proud because I'm like, but my kid was the one helping the other kid up when she fell, going yeah. up to parents and being like, your kid is really sweet. And <laughs> I was like, you know what? I am more proud of my kid, even though he never dribbled the ball the right way. Mm-hmm. He, I don't even think he touched the soccer ball. Probably the one time he did, he probably picked it up and was like, here, do you want this? Mm-hmm. It's just that that pressure. And I, so at, at one point I was like, yes, I checked the box. My kid has been in an activity, yeah. but why? And we did do speech, but that was because we kind of had to Yeah. Um, do what your kids want to do and what brings them joy and what brings you joy. And do what you want to <laughs> do that. And that's the same thing. The point that you and I are finding as we do more of these podcasts is that if we can model to our kids doing what brings us joy, mm-hmm. it trickles down onto them. Yep. So I want my kid to not just do what is expected of them, mm-hmm. but to do what brings them joy. I want, if Zach says, I want to be a street vendor in Times Square because I think selling hot dogs, like, 
then let's I make the best to, fucking hot dogs. Come oh, on, son. I can't wait to come eat your hot dogs. Like, <laughs> I want them to feel like they can run wild with whatever works for them and not live by this weird expectation. Like I was thinking today while I was, before I got on the podcast, I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, I got to get all these dishes in the dishwasher because my grandma told me when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't leave dishes in your sink overnight. Right. Because what if someone breaks in and then the cops have to come and then you're on the news? I mean, people are going to be, people are going to be concerned about those dishes. They don't care that there's a new killer on the loose. Woman is a slob. (laughs) But I remember after my dad died, I started like making an effort to just leave the dishes in the sink. And Josh was like, are you leaving the dishes in the sink? I I know. Cause I would make, I'd come down in the morning and be like, you left all your dishes in the sink. And you'd be like, Mm -hmm. okay, well that's what a sink is for. And I could never understand it. And then like tonight I was like, I got to hurry up and put these dishes in the sink. And then I was like, I don't care. I'll do it while they're eating breakfast tomorrow. And it sounds so trivial to bring up leaving dishes in the sink, but like, let's extend on yourself. I would much rather snuggle the kids for an extra couple minutes before I Mm -hmm. jump on the podcast and like get my beverages together than worry about putting the dishes in the sink. And that Mm -hmm. is my other thing. And you and I talked about this. And I think you said you still do this because it brings Mm -hmm. you joy, but uh, it didn't bring me joy anymore. And so I had told you, I used to dread birthdays and Christmas Mm -hmm. and all things when presents would come into the house, because I was brought up that you need to write a formal thank you card for every gift anyone Mm -hmm. ever receives. So Christmas would come. My husband would get 20 things from extended family. I have a huge extended family. Like I think I have like 45 or 50 cousins on one side, but we all send stuff to each other. And I'd have to write a formal thank you card for each thing one of my kids got. Yep. Each thing I got, each thing my husband got, because he's not going to write a thank you card. And each thing the family got. So I would write, I was, I would buy thank you cards by the hundreds. And go through them multiple times a year. And after my dad died that Christmas, I was like, I pulled out the box of thank you cards and I'm sitting at the table. And I was like, Josh, I don't think I can do this. And he was like, so don't do it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I have to write the thank you cards. Do you think I could just like print a template or do you think I could have, like, do you think you could do it? And he was like, I'm not going to write a hundred thank you cards. I have a job. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I mean it. Don't do it. And I was like, well, how do I just not do it? And he was like, you just put them back in the cupboard and you don't do them. And he's like, I'll text my family. And you, if you want to text your family, and I don't even think I did. I don't remember. But since that day, I don't even know where my thank you cards are right now. Mm -hmm. And I would never even put them away because anything time something came in the house, I took the receipt and stuck it in an envelope and would make sure that I would write, I'd write who it was from. And I would take the bat every time my husband opened a card, I'd say, write the amount of money that was in it on the back so I can write a thank you card. And I was doing it for his family, my family, all the families. And when I gave myself permission to stop, it was like, a world opened up of time to me. And now when a present comes into the house, I can enjoy the gift instead of dreading the thank you card. And And here's something that I think will shed light on that perspective, which I don't even think I told you, Janelle. So my dad's family lives in Indiana. And so we don't see them a ton. And we used to live, we grew up in Texas. So we really didn't see them a lot. But since my dad passed, we are closer with them. And both of my grandparents were still living at the time. This was this Christmas. And my grandparents always send us a check for our family and do what you want with it. We decided to save our money and buy a new truck and fix it up. 
So I wrote them a thank you note saying, thank you so much for this money. We really appreciate it. We used it towards purchasing a new truck and now we're going to fix it up. My papa, my grandfather got this note and he felt in his heart to double our Christmas money and send us another check. I got the check and it brought me to tears because we don't communicate a ton with that side of the family just because we grew up like that and there's no excuse, but we just don't. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to write him a thank you. So I'm driving in the car one day thinking about it for some reason. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call him and tell him instead how much that means to me. I'm trying to not get choked up. I called my grandpa. I'm not going to either. <laughs> I called my grandpa and I talked to him, my papa, and told him how much it meant to me. A week later, he passed away. Oh, I knew. I and knew. I know. I know. One of those. <laughs> and I sat there and I was like, I'm going to write a thank you. But you know what? The phone call itself cost me nothing. It made me feel good. And then I was left with that, that the last oh. interaction I had with my papa was a thank you. And then he got to give me a gift and his love language was like giving people yeah. what he yeah. could, whether it was his time or gifts. And it made me realize like much to your point, you know what, be grateful for those gifts, but just say thank you. You don't have to write yeah. this letter because guess where that thank you card's going? In the trash probably. <laughs> yeah. And then you have to get a stamp and you uh-huh. have to address it and you have to print yeah. your stupid address spreadsheet, which I know I'm, I don't even know this for a fact. You have a, uh, you have an address spreadsheet, don't you? It's right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because <laughs> you and I are like that. Yeah. Um, I think that there's just, and that goes to make another point. Like, yes, throw away things that aren't bringing you joy, but also can we just tweak them and modify them yeah. so that they're more serving? Yes. Send us I think a text message or phone call. I love, Connect with those people. Yes. Yeah. Not a one-sided, like it, it, even though people say texts are not personal, at least it can be a conversation of thank you. We appreciated this. Here's a video of us with it yes. versus a thank you that somebody just reads and they probably forget about versus yeah. An actual phone call, like just make your interactions more intentional. And yeah, I think that's huge. And I think it's huge to think of the fact that we don't have to cut things out. We can modify things so that they exactly. work with yeah, our like current that. situation. Like yeah. what you did will be something you will always remember. And if you feel, and I always think you should listen to your gut. And if you feel mm-hmm. called to make a phone call to someone, call that person. Mm-hmm. And if you feel always, like, always you're better off to call someone and tell mm-hmm. them how much something meant to you than kill yourself with thank you cards or kill yourself with mm-hmm. 5,000 activities. Your kids are not going to remember. My son, the other night, I asked him a question. I said, do you remember? Okay. His favorite Taekwondo instructor, he was madly in love with her. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you remember Master Blah? And he goes, no, he's not going to remember the stuff that I think he's going to remember right. from these activities. He's going to remember the snuggles on the couch when we watched the funny movie and I laughed mm-hmm. until I snorted. And he's going to remember going over to your house and bringing over a petrified fox foot. And mm-hmm. he's going to remember all that like weird shit that doesn't yes. cost any money and doesn't cost any time. No, I really want to find the equation of like this plus this equals most happiness. So is mm-hmm. it like fun plus <laughs> minus fun plus sleep plus coffee makes me the no, no. <laughs> Well, I but think like, it's really important. So I wanted natural childbirths with both my children. Weird. And I know. <laughs> I want to feel the pain. Oh, I was like, give um, me other drugs. <laughs> Do you have some more drugs? <laughs> and one thing that 
um, a birthing coach told me was ask why. So whenever somebody would come to you with something, say why. So whatever these societal norms are put on us, say why. And is that going to benefit me? So in childbirth, you ask that, is that going to benefit me and my baby? What are the risks? What should I be aware of could happen if I choose this route? What is the alternate route? I think we should ask ourselves that on all of our things that we do. And then it'll become natural to say no, to say yes, to say why to all of these things. Why am I still friends with this person even though they treat me like shit? Why am I writing thank yous when no one else cares when I could just make a phone call and actually connect with these people? (laughs) Ask yourself why, what are the alternatives? And then just do what brings you joy. And How did you learn how to ask yourself why? Probably because I ask why about everything. (laughs) So, but I think that's an interesting thing is like, and I think we can bring that full circle too. Is like, I grew up in a house where you don't ask adults why. Like, that's all I ever asked. And my kids do too. <laughs> but see, I grew up in that like weird yeah. 90s time of like, you don't ask an adult why, you just do what they say. Mm-hmm. And you and I are consciously making the effort to raise mm-hmm. children that ask questions and are curious. Mm-hmm. I literally still can't ask myself why. Like when you were just explaining that, I was like, how do you learn how to ask yourself why? I would for sure be, I don't have any education degree, but I'd be the principal of all the schools by now if COVID (laughs) hadn't happened because I was so headstrong in like needing to be involved in everything. Mm -hmm. I don't possess the ability to ask, why am I doing this? And I just wonder, is there a way to expand your ability to say, why am I doing this? Because I don't possess that. And like you said, you asking yourself why in front of Mm -hmm. the kids teaches your kids that critical thinking skill of saying like, why am I hanging out with this kid that doesn't make me feel good? Mm -hmm. Or why am I doing this thing? Why am I smoking under a bridge when it doesn't like align with my goals? Or why am I do I want my kids to question why they're doing things because I never did. I just did things and did. Yeah. And here's something we can all try because I am not perfect at it. I know that I let society get to me and I have all these preconceived notions on I have to do X, Y, Z, but I have started to question why and I'll get to that. But here's something we can all try. When you are doing something that is not bringing you joy and that is stressing you out, such as, or saying I have to do X, Y, Z, such as I have to put the dishes up before I start my podcast, why? Just add why to the end of that sentence. And if the rationale is not serving you or not bringing you joy and does not benefit your family, then say, can that wait? And if it can, then wait. And I will say my brother and I have both said how we have changed so much of our views since our mom especially passed because we have realized the value of relationships and family and spending time together. And I think that as awful as my mom's death was, it did bring about that joy. And I sit back and I look at my kids and I'm like, you know what? I'm supposed to be making my grocery list, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch how cute my daughter says avocado and ask her to say it 50 times. And this grocery list can wait because let's face it. I probably won't even finish it. I'll probably get distracted and do laundry. So I will wait and I will talk to my daughter. And my brother has said the same thing. Like he was supposed to be, he was working and he decided, you know what? I'm kind of tired of working right now. And he pulled some money out of his accounts and took two weeks off and just traveled in California by himself in a van. (laughs) And I talked to him along the way and he was so content and happy because it's something he just wanted to do. And so if you want to do it, do it within reason and just start to ask yourself, why am I doing this other stuff? 
why was my brother not taking this vacation? Well, because they say it's not normal for a 30-year-old to take two weeks off who doesn't have a family. Well, why not? He can still have a vacation just because he doesn't have a family. Like, just do it. I'd rather go on the family-free vacation at this point. In a van, right? Like... (laughs) Sign me up. Sign me up. Yep. <laughs> but I think that's very true. And that's something like I always say that I, the, my, the thing I admire most about my husband is he possesses this ability to ask for things that no one else would ask for. Mm-hmm. And I he is good at that. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. And because of it, 50% of the time he gets something that no one should get. It's mm-hmm. banana, and because of that, he has built a very good career for himself. Right, just because he's willing to say to someone like, "Do you want to give me that for fifty percent off?" and they're like, "Uh, <laughs> yeah," or like, "No, I but ne- I'll give you twenty five percent off." Exactly, which is but I would I didn't get. never ask. No, and I don't ask why, and I don't ask for things that I think I shouldn't ask for. Mm-hmm. And if I say to my husband all the time, I pray our kids get my sensitivity <laughs> and empathy, but I also pray that they get your balls in being able to literally, literally and figuratively. You'll hear about that in a further episode. Um, <laughs> I hope that they get the balls to be able to just go and ask for the craziest mm-hmm. shit. Because if you ask for some crazy shit, half the time you're going to get that crazy shit or you're going to get half of that crazy shit. Or you're going to at least get the confidence to start asking for it. But like, I will never, I I mean, let's pretend like whatever <laughs> that secret is. I've never read it, but I know that it's a big thing. Let's, I will, ne- I will never have the confidence. And I know this, I can be fully honest. If you gave me a lie detector, I will never have the confidence to ask for things that are outside of the realm of what I think is an appropriate ask. Like because even, you were told that probably. Because I was I somewhere in my t- and even yesterday I had to ask you a big favor and I was petrified to ask you mm-hmm. and I was just going to cancel the appointment. I called my son, one son had an important doctor's appointment and my childcare fell through. My husband couldn't mm-hmm. come home because our house felt it's a long story. But I called the hospital and was like, can I please bring my six-year-old? And they were like, no, you can't, but he can go to the child care center here. I was going to bring him, Jenna, because I was <laughs> no. so worried to put you out. And oh my like, gosh, no. I couldn't even think of to ask you. And I was like, so like, <sighs> and when I dropped him off with your husband, I was like, I'm so sorry. Thank you. You've been so helpful. And he was like, it's fine. Like, I don't even know yeah. where Ezra is. Go find- yeah. and he, said, he was basically just act like, go find Ezra. <laughs> yeah. And it was not a big deal, but I hate asking for things. But I do like, too. Mm-hmm. What if we could all just ask for stuff too? Like, can we like mm-hmm. make a call to action of like this week? Let's try to ask for one. Th- I've already done mine this week because I asked you to watch my mm. kids. But can we ask for one thing this week that we're not yes. sure we deserve or we're not sure that we should ask for and just see what happens? Do it. Yes. And if you get I told no, you get told no, but it's practice. Mm-hmm. And if you get told yes, holy shit, that's awesome. Now you got something that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. Starbucks in your car alone. Anyone? Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. No, I think those are great. So I think <laughs> it ties into a lot. We have set up social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the stuff. We're, we're super all hip. Things. Oh we're my God. So we're so hip. Guys, I don't know if you've heard, but there's a thing called Twitter. Um, <laughs> Twitter? It's, it's like MySpace. That. I don't know. <laughs> um, but for real, find out, find us, reach out to us. Um, we post stuff. We're very open. 
Ugh, hit us with questions. Anything. Like, tell us topics you want to hear about. Topics that we're going to cover are on the webpage. Um, it's kind of just like a general outline, but like we're going to talk nitty gritty. We're going to talk light and easy. We're mm-hmm. thinking about talking about some books we're into, but we're also really into like true crime. We're going to talk about pers- private infections we've had. We're going to talk <laughs> about cosmetic surgeries we have or yep. have not had. We're going to talk about fights we've had with our husband and fidelity mm-hmm. and STIs, yep. formerly known as STDs. And, <laughs> and we want this to be an open forum. The only thing we ask, because we think it is very important in today's society, is that everyone be kind. Be kind to us, be kind to each other, and be kind to your children. Like we want to raise kind children and we think that that is such an important message. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean you have to be, have your shit together. It means you can still cuss. (laughs) You can believe whatever you want. You can pretty much say whatever you want as long as it is kind, but for real, ask us anything. But Um, I also know that you and I, Jenna, how many times have you screamed at your children this week? That is a good question. But let's just say like, let's not be like, be kind to your children because we're super kind all the time. Oh no. I was... I was loud lady clapping at my. See, I call that head. parenting. <laughs> I mean, that's just parenting. But I to me. do not want people to think that we're sitting here being like, "Be kind, be love, that's be true. joy, be sweet." We're yeah. also like, "Hey, fuck fuckers!" What, <laughs> what did I tell you? I said to my kids the other day, "Stop dicking oh. around." And my grandma's oh, like, <gasps> "That's not even a game. Nobody's even no. mentioned that stop dicking around over here." No one did, and that's. Grandma's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> the tolerance for like mm-hmm. words is so high. I actually, I, did I tell you this the other day? I was coming and I was like, that's the eighth time I've said it nice. The ninth time I'm screaming. <laughs> like I yep. was count of how many times I said it nice. And then I was like, the ninth time I'm coming in there screaming. Yep. It's like, and to be honest, if you see us out, Chances are, I will yell at my kids. I will reprimand my kids because that is something that I and have let go. In a- <laughs> yes, because the pressures of being a mom is you have your shit together. Guess what? My kid's the uh, one that's in Target licking the floor during COVID while my son is in La La Land still in the Lego aisle. So I want to tie this up with a quote. <laughs> Ooh, Welcome to Quote a, Corner. This is a new segment. <laughs> I did you. send this one to you. Um, oh, God, it was good. Yeah. And it's the pressure we put on people to be everything is making most of us feel like nothing. Ugh. And I and that is by Mary Wittics, W-I-D-D-I-C-K-S. And I just thought it was beautiful and really tied up what we we're talking about. The pressure we put on people to be everything is making most of us feel like nothing. Take Ugh. that pressure off, strip it away, ask for help this week, ask why, bring yourself some joy. And of course, remember to call your therapist and take your meds.